play. That's period. And we've seen Eli do that for a very long time. And so we'll see what happens as we go down the road. Jeez, thank you. A couple more. I'm good. I'm actually in a really good mood. Me <laughs> <laughs> <We> too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we never know what's going to happen. But as I said, you know, Eli's getting ready to play. And so is, so is Daniel. Hang out. Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you live, not live. I, I, I need to stop doing that. We, we discussed this at the beginning of the last show. I need to stop saying live because this is a pre, this is pre, coming to you previously recorded. <laughs> Bobby Skinner, I mean, diehard Giants fan out of Florida, here with Danny King, another diehard Giants fan out of New York. Two people who are, are obsessed with the Giants, psychos. Guys who get excited for OTAs. We are psychos, and that's why we do this. We're here to talk some Giants. We're going to cover all the stuff that happened from OTAs, and then we'll answer some mailbag questions. But, Danny, how you doing? I know Yankees-Mets got postponed. So, actually, there was a doubleheader. So, we're recording this between the doubleheader. The Yankees won, right? Uh, yes, the Yankees won the first game, which I, I came home, and all of a sudden I see Luke Voigt hit a bomb in the center field. I'm like, all right, that's not what I came to see. But as we're recording this, I have the Mets game on my iPad right now. They're winning 3-0. Pete Alonso blasted a home run. So life is good right now. OTAs is coming to an end, which is sad, and we're about to enter a really dry period. But once again, we are obsessed with OTAs. Not many people are, but we are extremely involved with OTAs just by reading about it, refresh of Twitter every five seconds. I could not wait until this podcast is out and people listen and realize that the Mets choked it away. No. Anyways, go Yankees. That could check happen. out talk check out All the right. guys at Talking Yanks. All right, so let's get right into it. OTAs. We've got two more. We just finished the the last one that the meet we had media availability at. And boy, Pat Shermer, we are being talked about on the national level because Pat Shermer opened up a can of worms. And when he opened that up, the media went at it like some vultures. No, yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, he, uh, he, I forgot exactly how he worded it, but he says Jones is on track to start week one. He said it in that way. He's not saying Jones is started week one, but he said it, and it, as you said, it got eaten up. Basically, every question after that, was people trying to clarify his comments. He was getting so annoyed. He even sighed at one question. The reporter's like, I didn't even ask the question yet. He's like, I know what you're going to ask. It's my, my previous comment. He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, he really messed up by saying that. And now Bleacher, I, Bleacher Report's covering it. ESPN's covering it. Most normal people are covering it. Daniel Jones is the week one starter. Not really. It's just <laughs> we, could, we could have a – We actually, no. We do have a QB competition heading into training camp. And boy, oh boy, it's going to be an interesting training camp come July. Yeah, it's it's getting open, and we'll talk about like the what this all means. But what he said, well, first he was asked like who's like if if Daniel Jones is better than him, like who whoever plays better, will he be the starter? Essentially, saying does Daniel Jones have to start week one? He said whoever plays the very best will start. And so they're like, well, like what does that mean for Eli? And he said Eli is preparing to have an outstanding season, and Daniel Jones is, is getting ready to play. And the, me the media went all after, and I don't blame them. But essentially they were saying, well, Daniel Jones can't play if Eli is a starter. One, like They can't both play. And Pat Schirmer kept on saying, no, I'm preparing both of them to play. 
And at first I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of out of context. But the more I listened to it, this wasn't like Dave Gettleman saying, oh, maybe Eli will play three years, uh, the Green Bay model, which was like a, just a joke and everyone ran for it. This is actually legitimate. Where Pat Shermer is flat out saying, instead of just being like, Eli Manning is our starter for the team, like they have in years past, like they did last year. He's saying that if Daniel Jones is better than Eli Manning, he will start week one. And that is wild for him to say when we are going into the dead period, that he is giving, he's leaving that door open. And he didn't be like, no, no, that's not what I said. Uh, Eli Manning is a starter, and that's the way it's going to be. He's just like, listen, the best guy is going to play. And that opened up a can of worms, and we are going to be talking about it all going into training camp. And I don't blame people. Listen, I am not, I believe Eli Manning should be the starter week one. I am somebody that believes that there is a benefit to a guy sitting and learning behind. I don't like, I know the whole new wave is to say, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. So I don't, and I'm not like Daniel Jones shouldn't be starting week one because he picked, got picked six overall and guys that get picked six, six overall should be starting week one. But if Daniel Jones is better than Eli Manning, he should start week one. I'll say that flat out. Like I'm not like so stuck to my guns that where I'm like, no, Eli has to start. If Daniel Jones is better than Eli Manning in preseason and in camp on a consistent basis, start him. And I think he's somebody that is capable of doing that. But I also think Eli Manning is somebody who I'm and I'm not like an Eli like hype train. Like he had an amazing season last year. He didn't. And I get a lot of that had to do with offensive line, but a lot of it had to do with Eli Manning being ultra conservative. And I think Daniel Jones being behind him and comments like this lights a fire under Eli Manning, and I hope he has a great season. Like Pat Schirmer says, he's preparing to have an outstanding season with a better offensive line. He should be better. But if he's not, you got to start Daniel Jones. I I, th- I really think it's, it needs to be a best man wins the job, whoever's better. Obviously, Eli should get the benefit of the doubt. If it's close, I think you go with Eli. But if Daniel Jones is blowing Eli out of the, Manning out of the water in camp, then they should start him. Like where Cleveland last year, I was cool with Tyrod Taylor starting week one. I wasn't like, oh, Baker drafted first. You got to start him. But Baker outperformed Tyrod Taylor from what we heard in Brown's camp uh, in preseason. And they are like, nope, we're not going to start him. So I think where this all lands is right in the middle where it's not like, oh, you have to start Daniel Jones because it's value. And he was picked at six. And it's not like Eli is still the GOAT. Eli still has the arm talent, so that that's not an issue. Um, so it's not like a you know when Peyton like all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh like is this like a twelve year old throwing the ball? He still has the arm talent, and he's like he hasn't lost anything in the mind. Hopefully not. So <laughs> Eli needs to be more aggressive, and we have the opportunities to be more aggressive this year. So be aggressive. So I really think it needs to, it comes down to who's better, and if Daniel Jones is better, start in week one. No, yeah, I agree with you uh, 100%. If Daniel Jones outperforms Eli in training camp, outperforms him in preseason, because we don't know how much Eli will start in preseason. He'll probably get maybe the one, two games, and then he doesn't play. you got to start him. But as you said, uh, Daniel Jones picked a position where he could sit behind Eli and learn a few things. Now, obviously, I'm not saying if Eli is throwing – like 10 interceptions by the time week three comes around. That's very much an exaggeration, but you get my point that he should still be on the bench. If Daniel Jones is ready and the Giants feel it's ready and it's not going well, you got to put Daniel Jones in because what do you have to lose? Yes, and, there's the um, 
Sorry, go ahead. There's the, emo- there's the emotional attachment to Eli. Everyone has it. When Eli's gone, whether you hate him, you're going to miss him. You're going to have feelings about him. But we have to put those feelings aside. This isn't a Geno Smith situation. Daniel Jones is the future. And if there's a chance we can get him in and he keeps proving that he can get it done, I don't see why not you should have put him in. This isn't a Tyrod Taylor situation or a Baker Mayfield situation. The Browns, for some reason, were just being stubborn, and they had Hugh Jackson as their head coach. Pat Shermer has like actual has an actual brain. He knows that if Eli's not getting the job done, he'll put Daniel Jones in, and I feel like this will be a much different reaction than putting Geno Smith in, so I don't feel they have to fear a very big fan backlash. And... Sorry, I just... <laughs> I just had this whole thought in my head, and I just completely blinked. Oh, my gosh, this is embarrassing. Um, yeah, Oh, that was what it was. Oh, my gosh, can't believe I blinked on that. That <laughs> is the mind of a Bobby Skinner, just completely dumb. This is going to be a talking point every single day and let the Giants start off 1-0 and don't lose two games in a row. Because if we start 0-1, it's going to go to Daniel Jones, unless we you know, lose 49-52. to it's going to be there. Um, and if we like, if in the first nine weeks we don't lose two games back to back, then, you know, then we won't hear this as much. We'll still hear it from a few people, but we won't hear it as much. But if we're two and three, this isn't like, oh, what do we do to fix this and get this right? We, I mean, Daniel Jones is going to be being called for from the entire earth. Everyone is going to be calling for Daniel Jones to start week one. I don't blame people because I do think he is a guy who is ready to play in the NFL. I don't think, I'm not saying he's going to go out and light up and win rookie of the year, but I think he's someone, and he could, he very well could, but I I think he is someone who's ready to play. I mean, look at guys who the rookies from the past, Sam Darnold completed his passes at 63% at USC with talent. Josh Allen, he started week one last year. Josh Allen, who started, I think it was week two, maybe week three. He was thrown at 56%. And Josh Allen had a bad season, but he wasn't like, uh, he wasn't like horrible. Josh Rosen, who did have a bad season, who I still believe in, and I think he can be a really good QB, although I think he's in the worst possible situation in Miami. 62 completion percentage. Uh, Justin Herbert, who everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, this guy is great. He's 59 completion percentage. Uh, Daniel Jones was 60% at Duke, and he had 38 drops. 38 drops. That's, like, unbelievable. Uh, If it wasn't for those, I think his completion percentage jumps up to 70. Uh, The other guys... Baker was drafted before, and he played at Oklahoma Heisman, so that's different. Dwayne Haskins, 70% at Ohio State. That's a whole different scenario. Um, and we'll talk about Haskins when we talk about Nate Burleson. So he's just as ready as other guys. You know, I, I'm a, I believe in uh, Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold, over Josh Allen, over Dwayne Haskins. Josh Rosen, I think, is close, although I think Daniel Jones is more equipped to do more with less, where I think Josh Rosen needs things to be right around him, um, which is – Part of the reason why I wanted him on the Giants, I make that trade, was because he would have had the pieces around him. But yeah, I like me not wanting Daniel Jones to start week one and Eli to start week one, because that is where I stand today, is that I think Eli should start week one. But it's not out of a fear of what will Daniel Jones happen? What will happen with Daniel Jones? No, yeah, uh, I'm, as I'm with you. Eli should start week one. Unless Daniel Jones dominates in camp, Eli should be and will be the starter come week one. They'll give him the benefit of the doubt to try and prove himself. But 
as you said, many quarterbacks who aren't as good started right away. Sam Darnold, I don't want to say that about Sam Darnold, but still, Sam Darnold, he, who didn't have, let's say, the best of year, his very first pass as an NFL quarterback was an interception, so that's not how you want to particularly start your career. Josh Allen, I'm going to be honest, I barely watch any Buffalo Bills games, so I can't tell you much about him. All I know is he hurdled a Minnesota Vikings player, but as you said on that Josh Allen breakdown, did have the best of years, but didn't have the worst of years. Josh Rosen, who, who did a start right away, he was, but he was with like the terrible offensive line. I can only probably can't even name you a starter on that Cardinals offensive line by the time the season came to an end. So Daniel Jones, I think uh, he's in a better situation, are better situation than a Josh Rosen was. The Bills last year they weren't the best of teams. They had a player retire at halftime, so that doesn't really help you out. The Jets. Uh, they had topples, and so they were struggling to do anything. So now Daniel Jones, he's in a team with quality players around him, a quality head coach who is a very good quarterback coach. I've harped on this many a times. He made, uh, what's his name again? Case Keenum looked like a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, but Case Keenum did nothing last year. So Daniel Jones, I think he has all the tools to start. Just he, I don't see him starting right away because the Giants are going to give Eli the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I, you brought up Case Keenum. I want to say this, although it's completely raced past it. Pat Shermer was part of Mike Zimmer's head coach coaching staff where Case Keenum was lighting up the league eight weeks in a row. And when being asked, like, is Case Keenum starting next week? Mike Zimmer would be like, uh, we'll see. So I also don't want to read too much into Pat Shermer's because he, you know, like it was like it was funny to the point where it's like, dude, he's been Case Keenum is playing really well. Like, what do you mean you don't know? So it also is a little facetious, although Pat Trimmer said, I don't want to be cryptic, and he was asked the same question 10 times in a row. Um, so, yeah, uh, man, it's crazy. that I didn't think we'd get here this quick, even though I guess we did think that we would get to here this quick with starting Daniel Jones. But OTAs are just that. They're off-season training activities. So I also don't think that people should be clamoring for Daniel Jones to start because of him doing well in OTAs. So there's, there's, we got a whole lot to unpack. We're a long ways away from training camp. So there, you know, we'll be talking about this nonstop probably. But like I said, it, it's, it's a really complicated and we really aren't going to know any, we're not going to know anything until week, until week three of the preseason, really. Yeah. Uh, as you said, OTAs, there's no contact. So once training camp rolls around, that's going to be the main storyline. Can Daniel Jones do enough and overthrow Eli Manning for the starting job? And that's going to be the storyline of the summer through the preseason and up until kickoff, or at least the hour before kickoff in week one. So it's still there's still time to figure out what happens at the quarterback position, but we're already asking that question now, and it's only June. Come August, this question will be even more of a hot topic and that will allow us to even have more shows and have more content. But as a fan perspective, you're going to be waking up every day thinking, is this the day Daniel Jones gets to start a job? Yeah, so to move on from that, Pat Shermer, uh, from any other stuff from his press conference, he was impressed with, impressed with Darius Slayton. We'll cover him more in Mailbag. Um, and like an interesting point, uh, there we, we, there's no plan to scrimmage another team in training camp. Um, we've, I think we've done that like forever, and most NFL teams have done it. Last year we did it with Detroit. He said we're not doing it with Detroit this year because we play them this season. So that was interesting. Um, I don't know how much those things benefit 
Um, it's hard to say. I get wanted to hit other guys, but at the same time, like there's always fights. It always gets like it always just gets like to this really dumb point. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't really care either way if we do those. No, yeah. Um, as, as you said, where the teams he had in mind were playing this season, so you don't want to show them everything. Uh, so as you said, scrimmages they're fine. I don't really care about it. I, the, mainly, I look at them to see who gets into a fight at them because that's usually what happens. I'm pretty sure a little scuffle, or at least a little push and match broke out in uh, the Lions scrimmage last year. Uh, but the thing that stood out to me in his whole press conference uh, was just uh, how. Uh, conservative they were of Evan Ingram. They just didn't want to risk it. He had a hamstring injury, so they didn't want to risk making it even worse. They just said, it's off-season training. We can afford to sit him. He'll be back in training camp. He's here. He's getting used to the guys. He's building chemistry. He was able to have a few practices, so it's not worth the risk of injuring a very valuable option to this team. So that was just my big takeaway besides the obvious of the Daniel Jones Eli Madden talk. Right, and then so we'll move on to Jones. Yeah, Evan Ingram. He he has the most boring interviews in the world. Like he just gives the most canned answers ever. Yeah, which oh, I'm not mad. I'm not mad about. Um, also, wait, I just want to add uh, one more thing. He also gave the dates for when everyone will report for training camp. He said rookies and ve- select veterans will report July 22nd, and everyone else will report July 24th. July 24th. My apologies. Put it on your calendars, folks. We are. Man, it's really not that far away. We're barely over a month. Yeah, it's crazy. We're like summer is starting in a few weeks, but we're gonna be talking about training camp soon, and we're gonna be talking about the start of the season. That's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I have this thing where as soon as like it changes to a new month, I just count that as a full month away, like until like the twenty fifth and the twenty sixth. So whereas I'm like, okay, like we're like we have the whole month of June, but it's like actually we're over a third of the way through June, Bobby. So that's just a mind into the mind of a Bobby Skinner. Um, to the last thing on press conferences, Daniel Jones. I just thought it was funny uh, when someone asked, like, "Hey, like, how do you like plan to go in the training camp? Do you plan to turn up a notch?" And I like how he pushed back. He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Wait, like, you make it seem like I'm like not turning it up now." Uh, so that was cool that he like didn't just give like a canned answer and be like, "Yes, always, always trying to get better." He like pushed back. He's like, "What do you mean, like?" I think I'm not trying my hardest right now. So that was funny. That was, that was really the only thing I pulled from it. Yeah, Daniel Jones, uh, he, the only thing I pulled from it, he says uh, he's asking everyone questions. That includes Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, Eli Manning, Alex Tanny, and Kyle Loletta. So he's getting information from everyone. He's uh, getting comfortable with the team. And he says he's not where he wants to be yet, but he feels he makes progress every day. Once again, it's he's give Eli Manning press conferences. Nothing fun, but he, at least he's giving press conferences and he's saying the right things. Yeah, he, he seems confident. Uh, you know, where it was more of those, those uh, sorry, um, those like kind of canned answers and whatnot. So he seems very confident. I like how he pushed back on that. And like he said, yeah, I, I do feel like I've grown. So, yeah, a bunch of good stuff. And, yeah, so do you have anything else in the Daniel Jones presser before we hit some lighter stuff? Uh, no, I got nothing else to add about the Daniel Jones press conference. Okay. All right, so other little things. We are not going to be on Hard Knocks. Thank you. As much as it's been fun to watch all the camp and stuff like that, like it's nice that we don't have to deal with cameras around 
Um, that is always a distraction, not good for the team. It's kind of silly that like you can be forced to ha- turn your training camp into a reality show when you think about it. it but it w- like the Raiders training camp is going to be a reality show regardless, though. No, yeah, the Raiders show, that's going to be so much fun to watch. But as you said, like, yeah, the training camp becomes a reality show. But I still find it stupid. Like, t- the owners voted to approve this. But now, when it actually comes to them, they're like, oh, I, I don't want it. It's like, then why don't you approve it in the first place if you never wanted it? Just stupid, but money and views and all that. But as you said, it, it drives the team apart. We saw what happened in Cleveland last year. Uh, a vortex was created between Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. It was already there, but it made it even worse then. We saw the infamous Corey Coleman episode where he just went into Hugh Jackson and just started going at him like, I want to be a starter. And Hugh Jackson's like, no, you're not. And then it just went downhill from there for Corey. So once again, and let's be real, who wants to see Eli Manning and Daniel Jones on Hard Knocks? They would be no fun to watch. Antonio Brown, uh, Vontez Perfect, Richie Incognito, that right there is fun to me. How is Richie Incognito and like Vontez Perfect and Antonio Brown going to get along with all of Richie Incognito's past? So, yeah, I'm happy the Raiders are on it and just happy we're not on it from a uh like viewing it from like a tr- true professional place because it's just not good and it just exposes you pretty much yeah definitely all right so last thing before we go in the mailbag nate burleson said in good morning football that Dwayne haskins is already better than eli manning which is like silly like daniel jones had to like make difficult throws like 10 times at ohio state and he wasn't even good at them so that that's just a silly hot take and what was funny is the the i forget her name k Kay Adams. She's like, you know that's going to get clipped, right? And he he flat out admits, like, yep, that's why I said it. It's like, and he repeat, like he said it twice. He's like, yep, that's why I said it. So these guys, like, those morning shows are they're hot take artists looking to get clipped and, and gain notoriety. And obviously, like, it's going to bother us, but it's going to make every other, like, all the other third, 31 fan bases be like, yeah, yeah, Eli Manning suck. <laughs> like, so it's Nate Burleson. Don't put any freaking effort into it. Um, so, yeah, silly, dumb, whatever. I, I really don't care about anything morning TV show hosts say anymore. No, obviously, yeah, I don't even watch it because, one, I once again, there's just hot take central. I mean, hey, I like a good old hot take like everyone else, but saying Dwayne Haskins right now is better than Eli, that's just crazy. We don't know what he has yet. If you were telling me this in week six, then I, I would maybe have to maybe look at it and be like, oh, maybe he has a point, but we're in off-season training activities right now. That means nothing. Dwayne Haskins is probably just as good as Alex Tanny right now. There's and, a hot take for you right there. And supposedly Case Keenum has been the best quarterback at Washington Redskins, Redskins OTA. So it's like, okay. so you're like It's just dumb. Anyways, I don't even want to dwell on that. Let's move on to the mail. But before that, a quick advertisement. Come on. All right, I'll have to clip that. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app. Or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It 
never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, Danny. Let's get into the mail. All right, the first question comes from at Jake Roberts, triple two. He says, what do you guys... Who do you guys think starts at center, and how content, confident are you in Mike Remmers? Uh, who do I think starts at center? I'd rather see Spencer Poli because I saw a lot from him last year. Obviously, that's not fair to Jalapio. He got injured in week two, so he couldn't show us much. But I like Poli right now over Jalapio in training camp. Obviously, that could change. And do I feel confident in Mike Remmers? Uh, for what we have on the roster, yes, I have confidence in him. In a year from now, I, I he won't be our starter. I believe he'll be gone. That could either go to a big George, or even if we're going crazy, maybe Jack Conklin will be a giant come free agency next year. Yeah, to, on the Pulley and Halapio thing, I've actually changed on this. And I didn't even realize this. This is bad, like, researching on my point. Spencer Pulley will be 20. He's 26, which he'll be the same age uh, during the season. Halapio will be 28. I didn't realize Halapio was really Pulley. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Uh, Jalapio huh. didn't really get like onto our roster until he was 26 years old. Pulley started 16 games for the Chargers uh, in 2017. I'm, I've changed to Pulley, and Pulley has been getting first-team reps at OTAs, and so that pretty much means the team has changed to Pulley. Jalapio, I like him as a, as a guy, and I think he could, you know, he can definitely still battle for that job. But I'm actually leaning more towards Pulley the more we get into it, and it seems like the team is doing that as well. And Jalapio, you know, in his limited opportunities, uh, he's gotten hurt. You know, he had six games at right guard in 2017, uh, you know, started two at center last year until his injury that uh, took him out for the season. And Spencer Pulley, he started 16 games for it with a pretty bad Chargers offensive line. But no, nonetheless, he started 16 games for them. That is a big deal. I mean, we see how our former offensive linemen are playing around the league, like guys like Bobby Hart, who he's starting for Cincinnati. John Jerry got signed. Uh, Pew and Richburg and even Flowers might be starting for the Redskins <laughs> week one. So, I, as, by the way, Trent Williams, I respect you, bro. They that's just that's just horrible what they did to you. Just not right. It's a real shame. Real shame that the Redskins can't have a functional organization. I think you should move on, no matter where that is too, unless it's the Cowboys. Or the Eagles, and you should you should move on with your career, my friend. I just move on from the Redskins. Plus, I got Eric Flowers; they'll they'll be fine. No, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Apparently, what they did to what happened there in Washington, and so yeah, he should move on. He shouldn't feel the need to go back. Uh, I don't agree with him that he should get paid because I feel like he got a new contract recently. But that's just my opinion. But it's terrible what happened to him down there, and he deserves better. And it seems like Washington is not going to treat him the right way. And also biasy, I also want to see Eric Flowers start for the Redskins this year, just because I want to get a good chuckle this season. But to the bully thing, we also have to. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll let you say your thing first. No, I was just going to say it would be amazing to see Eric Flowers touted out week one for the Redskins. Oh, yeah, I'd, I would love to see it. But to uh, now to the pulley point, the Giants gave him a pretty nice contract, three years, $9 million. So they, they did give him, like, a one-year deal to keep him around for depth. They they signed it to a pretty legit deal, and they have faith in pulley, and, and I also have the faith in pulley as well. Pulley, could he be a pulling center? Pulley, pulley with the pull. Hey, if we get some of that pulling center action, which you don't really see in the NFL, that would be fun just to have to play on words. 
I would definitely probably nominate one of those for Bobby's block of the Bobby's big block of the week. That's a little incitive to the future in season kind of stuff. So that would be cool. Um, and then the right tackle position, Mike Rammers. Man, the the further and further we get away from signing him, the less it's like, damn, Mike Rammers has not been really good. And <laughs> like the whole, because like, last year he played at right guard and we were like, oh, it's not a natural fit. But guard is easier than tackle. And I get that he's had, like, he has had better seasons at tackle than guard. But it's just weird that a guy moved to guard and he struggled that much. Like, guard is, guard, I don't want to say easy because there's no easy position in the NFL. But it is one of the easier positions in the NFL. You're usually working with double teams. Um, if you're doing blitzes, you don't have to hold on for too long because the ball should be out quick. Uh, you you know, you have the help. Like, you in the run, run plays, you very rarely are just one-on-one beat a guy. Like, you just don't see that. So, and especially as someone that's struggling, they want to help him. So that was, it's just kind of weird that, you know, he struggled at right guard. Uh, but at the same time, Chad Wheeler can very well battle for this job as well. Uh, Chad Wheeler, I, I was looking forward to seeing Chad Wheeler and see how much he improved. That doesn't mean I'm confident in Chad Wheeler. But I think it's, I think they will make that an open competition. Like, we will get the best player to start a right tackle. Uh, I don't think I don't think Mike Remmers has, like, the job locked down. I think he will get the first reps and you know the first day of training camp, but offensive line is a position where you can you can outprove the other guy pretty quickly. Like it's not like it's it's pretty cut and dry. It's not like a corner where he get beat, beat gets beat on a couple plays and you're like oh it was just this and that. Offensive line it's pretty cut and dry. Who's better? So the we'll we'll see the best man out of those two definitely. So the but the more and more the newness of Mike Remmers wears off the more and more it's like man like how solid we are at right tackle and i'm on record of saying i want us to see us draft a tackle in the first round obviously we're a ways out but like if if we're looking that far ahead tackle is like number one on my need going into next season no yeah mike rubbers as i said he is not a long-term option he is a short-term option as you said, this is I. This could easily be. It should be an open tackle competition because Mike Rummers had back surgery. We don't know how good he'll be. And Chad Wheeler, he still could prove that he could be a quality right tackle. So it needs to be an open competition there, right tackle. And as I said, we got Big George there, who could maybe be our starter right tackle next year. I don't have the much faith in the world about that, but still, it could be a possibility. And as I said, free agency, the Giants have a lot of cap. I'm not saying it will happen, but I like to dream. Jack Conklin, he could be an option. But if the Giants, as long as the Giants, Daniel Jones works out, the receivers are good, the tight end stays fine, and the defense works, the Giants should, as you say, uh, probably go offensive tackle next year in the draft, draft a right tackle, that the Giants will have solidified the offensive line, should have a good receiving core, a young tight end, and we obviously have Saquon Barkley, that goes without saying and hopefully a, f- a good defense, a young core. So this could all work out in the long term. Mike Remmers may be a – we may be looking at him at the next Eric Flowers this year, but it may be a sh- short term. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not, uh, not that bad, uh, Danny boy. You know how we, how we react with uh, tackles nowadays. We get mad at them for every little thing. But – I, I, that's unfair to compare him to Eric Flowers. That, that's mean to me. I'm that's sorry. just like a disrespect thing, Danny. It's not like, you yeah, know, yeah. it's not like saying Mike Rammers is good, yeah. but it's like comparing any coach to Ben McAdoo. You just, yeah. you just don't do that. No, yeah, We're I'm, good, though. We're good. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike Rammers, for comparing you to Eric Flowers, but you get my point. This is a short-term option. 
for hopefully a long-term potential fix in the draft free agency down the road. Definitely. All right. Well, what, what do we got next? Next question comes from at Bruegel underscore Poppy 20. He said, what up fellas? I've missed the last couple of mailbags due to being in Twitter jail for something dumb, but, but way too early prediction question. Who do you guys think are the front seven starters day one? Uh, one ho- happy to see you're out of Twitter jail. And I'll send the question over to you, Bobby. Who do you think will be the front seven starters come week one? Okay, so let's. What we could do is we'll go through the defensive line front. So we'll do, you know, just base three, four, not nickel. Um, so we'll do three. Um, and by the way, glad you're out of jail, Isaac. Um, I can't say free my guy. I, I, I never mind. That was <laughs> going to be a really bad joke. Uh, can't say that on a podcast, Bobby. All right, so I'm glad you're out of jail, <laughs> Isaac Moretta. Uh, all right, Dexter Lawrence, obvious. Dalvin Tomlinson, somewhat obvious, although it's unclear who's going to be the nose and who's going to be the three technique. Um, and then for that other one, I, it's, I think it's got to be B.J. Hill. It's going to be a rotation, but I, for those guys, I think those are the clear-cut three. One, Dexter Lawrence, the 17th overall pick. Dalvin Tomlinson was a, a former second-round pick. And I, I like Dalvin Tomlinson. I really do. I think he gets off the ball extremely quickly, especially for a guy as big as him. And you see guys at that position make a lot of growth from year two to year three. So I, I like Dalvin Tomlinson. And then B.J. Hill is the guy we're, like, the most excited for on the defensive line uh, after his uh, five-and-a-half sacks, I believe it was, last year. Although three of those were in one game. So B.J. Hill is a guy we're all excited about. Um, and then, obviously, not starting, but a guy to watch. For, I think everyone is R.J. McIntosh. He didn't get. He got to only play a couple games last year after being injured. Was playing catch up. He was injured throughout the whole off season. He's a guy that, when he was at Miami, he made plays at from the defensive tackle position. When they went up against Notre Dame, was the most I was impressed with him. I mean, there was times where he just put Quentin Nelson in the backfield, and I can't remember who their other guard was, but I think he was a first round pick as well too. And he just made, he made plays in the run game. So R.J. McIntosh is definitely somebody to watch out for. Uh, I agree with you 100%. It's got, it's pro- Dexter Lawrence is going to be starting. They drafted him high, and they have high expectations for him. The Dalvin Thompson, who I believe should be in the nose tackle, because that's his more natural role. And I feel like with D- Damian gone, that was their goal, to move him into the nose tackle position. And you can have uh, Dexter Lawrence be the free technique. And then B.J. Hill. I did a breakdown on him. He, he has so much potential coming into this season. He showed it last year. He broke the Giants' rookie record for most sacks in a season, five and a half sacks. But as you said, three of those came against the Bears. I was at that game. It was very fun to watch him beat up Chase Daniels. But still, nonetheless, it's important. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But, yes, uh, B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Dexter Lawrence should be the guys. And then uh, who knows what R.J. McIntosh will be. We just have to wait. Yeah, and I'm like I like you just said. I'm excited for R.J. McIntosh, but he could be a complete bust as well. Um, you know, one oh, yeah. game against Notre, like you know, he was a, a I think it's a fifth round pick. So you know, I'm excited for him, but I'm also not expecting too much. And then for the linebackers, uh, let's start in the middle, and then we could talk about our edge guys. Alec Ogletree, that's just a shoe in. He's the leader of the defense. Uh, I think he gets a little more flack than he deserves. He's a good player. And, you know, the money he's bringing in, he will be the star. He, he's the starting middle linebacker. Nobody doubts that. Yeah. And then it gets into who's the other guy. Is it B.J. Goodson, Tay Davis, uh, possibly Ryan Connolly? I'm, I'm, I lean towards Tay Davis. I just, you know, he's a guy who switched over from safety. I think he had a lot to learn. A lot of his stuff, like, he needs to be more aggressive. Tay Davis needs to be much more aggressive. 
and I they I think that the Giants want him to start because they've been pitting him in with the ones during OTAs. So Tay Davis, I have a bias for him. I like the guy a lot. Um, you know, he is pre- he really good in pass coverage. Although I I do think BJ Goodson gets a bad rep and pass coverage where he's not as bad as people make him out to be. Uh, but it's also not like our it's it's a position where it's not we're not excited about anybody. But yeah, I I would go Tay Davis with the other one, and then maybe Ryan Connolly could get in there eventually. Although I don't want to like Ryan Connolly, I'm excited for, but we have this habit of falling in love with the new toy, and it's like let's let's see it on Sundays first before we just anoint him to start over these other guys. No, yeah, I, Ryan Connolly, I don't see him start at week one unless somehow. Goodson and Tay Davis get injured in training camp. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Connolly will be started later in the season. Obviously, Alec Ogletree, I'm not even going to explain that. It's obvious at this point. Here's an idea that I someone told me, and I want to ask you about it. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I kind of like the idea. So you have B.J. Goodson first and second down, and then on third down, if it's an obvious passing situation, maybe you could put in Tay Davis for his versatility. That's, a, that's something I kind of like the idea that I'm like, that could be a smart idea. I'm not sure. I'm going to ask you that question. What do you think about that? I think that's a good idea. Um, until, Tay, until Tay Davis can prove that he can be a run stopper, which he was not good at last year. Like I can be as biased as I want for the guy, but he was not good in the run game. Uh, so that seemed to be what they were like touting out during OTAs, but lately they've been pitting Tay Davis as a starter. Um, but I definitely agree with, Pitting Tay Davis out there for nickel situations on you know third and and four or five plus, but I I hope that Tay Davis can really improve in the run game. But yeah, if he if he doesn't if he doesn't and B J Goodson is better than him in the run game and is good enough in the pass game, I'm all for that idea. But at at the same time, we don't run our base defense a lot. Like nickel is essentially your ba- every team's base defense. I know we get caught up in three four four three. So, but yeah. I'm I'm extremely cool with having B.J. Goodson, you know, first and second down, and then Tay Davis on passing downs. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm gonna say I don't know who I don't remember who said that to me, but if you are, I like the idea. I believe I forgot who it was again, but I like the idea. It was a good call. And for the outside linebackers, uh, I'm saying Lorenzo Carter because I love Lorenzo Carter. I feel like he brings a lot to this team. And after doing some research, I think James Betcher for his second guy. I think he wants it to be Marcus Golden. Because Marcus Golden had his best career under, best season of his career under James Betcher. Let me quickly read out those stats just so I'm not talking crazy. He had 12 and a half sacks, 51 total tackles, 16 for a loss. He hit the QB 22 times and he had 41 solo tackles. So uh, he has something under James Betcher. He absolutely had nothing last year because he was injured. He only played in four games. So I think it's going to be Lorenzo Carter. And I think the Giants wanted to be Marcus Golden or at least have him recapture what he had with James Betcher down in Arizona. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter is the obvious choice. We need Lorenzo Carter to be good this year. This yeah. is a like Lorenzo Carter is not like a, he can't have an average season this year. He has to be above average for the Giants for them to succeed. We expect a lot out of Lorenzo Carter. And he was good in his limited action uh, and his starts. But I looked at it and at Georgia, he had the same exact stats that he had for the Giants last year, like 30-something tackles, you know, five-and-a-half sacks or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, like, what's the deal? And I I haven't went back and watched Lorenzo Carter at Georgia, so I don't know how he was used and whatnot. But we need Lorenzo Carter to be the starter, and we need Lorenzo Carter to be really good. The other one, I I think it's our biggest hole on the whole team, is that other outside linebacker. 
Uh, is it going to be Kareem Martin, Marcus Golden? Uh, who who else am I missing that could be an opportunity for that spot? Uh jeez. Uh, unless um, I honestly can't think of anyone. That's the only. I think it's I really down to those two, both guys who played for James Betcher in Arizona. Because I we have so many run stuffers in the interior with you know the defensive line, you know Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin, um, and all those guys. I think I lean towards Marcus Golden because he's more of a pass rush specialist. Like you said, he had those really good numbers under James Butcher. I think it was in 2016, and then he had injuries and whatnot. I think it has to be James uh, Marcus Golden because we have to generate some kind of a pass rush. I know we're going to do a lot of blitzes and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to pit four, you know, pit four guys after the QB and be able to run cover twos and cover threes and whatnot and be able to get there without giving a guy all day. So I think it has to be Marcus Golden, although that's going to be a rotating position. It's not going to be a guy uh, you know, get, getting 85 90% of the snaps that position. But it's going to be a rotating position. But that is a huge hole. And that's where I kind of understand people being like, man, why don't we just take Josh Allen there? Because he would have filled that spot immediately. Uh, so I, I get that because that is, I think that's the biggest hole on our, on our whole team. Oh, uh, yeah. I think you may have said this, but I, for some reason, it's escaping my mind. Kareem Martin, do you think he's a possibility? Yeah, I think Kareem Martin is who is battling with both both those guys out of Arizona. Right. Um, but I, 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 I lean towards Golden because he's more of a pass rush specialist, uh, and we're going to need some guys that can just get after the QB. But, yeah, I, I lean towards Marcus Golden, although I don't really love anybody at that position. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at this website. I found Big Blue Interactive. They have, like, the roster here. They have uh, O'Shaning Ximenez as an outside linebacker. Oh, I can't believe I forgot about O'Shaning Ximenez. I, I, oh, by he, the way, people got mad at us for saying X Ximenez. They're like, can you stop pronouncing the X? Well, I was like, it's kind of the X-Man. But I appreciate you telling us that we were pronouncing it wrong because if you didn't, I would have pronounced it wrong till the end of time. O'Shane Ximenez. O'Shane Ximenez. Ximenez. I would love him to get in there eventually like early and i like what i saw i like what i saw uh, in the old dominion game against virginia tech i think he had three sacks in that game ocean come out and prove come out and take that job the giants are not going to have some kind of seniority with golden and Kareem martin ocean go out and get that job if ocean is starting week one i am going to be so happy because that means he proved himself so yes he and people say he only rushes the passer. That's not true. He he dropped in the coverage for Old Dominion. In fact, there's even times where they just, like, on, and it was on third and longs when you think, like, okay, O'Shane, go get the, the quarterback. They would put him at middle linebacker, which was like, okay, that's kind of weird. So the, for people that are saying that O'Shane all he does is rush the passer, that's not true. He can drop in the coverage. Um, like I said, he played a little bit of my, middle linebacker, although it was against lesser comp. But he did that against Virginia Tech, too. And Virginia Tech wasn't great this year. But nonetheless, O'Shane, go get that job, baby. Now I'm hyped for O'Shane. I'm so glad you brought him up. And uh, for O'Shane, is Ximenez, is that in my ride? Ximenez. Ximenez. Uh, in uh, minicamp, uh, he apparently also covered Gold to Tate for a few plays, and apparently he held his own. So it's still O'Shane's. Ximenez, oh, geez, I'm going to have to get used to that. But O'Shane, he has so much potential. He, I don't think he'll be started right away. I think it's Martin and uh, Golden. But by the time I say even maybe even like week five, the Giants see that's not working. They're going to throw O'Shane in there be like, all right, my guy, show us we were not wrong in drafting you. So I think that could very much be a possibility. And listen, for them to take O'Shane Ximenez after 60 
picks went off the board and they couldn't pick anybody, that's not just a taking a shot. They believe in this guy. And I, I, you know, I watched a few of his games at Old Dominion, not during the season, but after the fact. Go, I, I watched the Eastern Carolina game where he played he had a second half, the Virginia Tech game. Go out and get it, man. Like I said, they didn't, they didn't pick him in the third round after not being able to pick for 60 spots just to, for a project. Go out and get that job, O'Shane. Oh, yeah. And the final question comes from at Coach T-O-B-C-N-Y-C. He has Kent Slayton seriously correct the wide, the wide receiver lineup as a starter this season after a shaky start. It's been all rave reviews about him. Uh, do I think, could he crack it? Um, maybe an injury he will. But, uh, no, yeah, the reviews have been great for him. Uh, he apparently, the drops haven't been as much of an issue. He's impressed Pat Shermer, Shula, just the whole team, really. He's made a name for himself now. Uh, I don't see him be, I mean, I mean, hey, what do I know? Maybe he could make a name for himself at training camp and be wide receiver number three. But I think right now that's between Latimer and Coleman as the two guys. Maybe Slater could start off as a return guy. I don't know how much of a history he has with returning, but I, I want Coleman to stick with that. So I could see it being a, a Kate, Shepard, Latimer. Uh, then maybe Slayton could alternate with Latimer, and maybe Coleman may just be the return guy for the Giants. But if it's going downhill fast, the Giants, I think, will easily substitute out Cody Latimer and put in uh, Darius Slayton if season's not going well towards the end. Yeah, and besides the whole could Daniel Jones start, I think that was the most interesting thing to come out of OTAs was that Slayton was taking first-team reps, and that is wild when he has guys like Coleman and Latimer on the team. Like, that that was really shocked me. And I'm a fan of Slayton. He ran a 4.3940 at the combine, had a 40 and a half inch vertical, which is as good of testings in those two things as you can get, essentially. But he was very boomer bust at Auburn. Uh, I think he has the ability to run the whole route tree, but he didn't at Auburn. Um, like you said, the drop uh, problems for the past two seasons at Auburn, where he he did start uh, in 22 games, he had 2.9 catches per game, so three catches per game, which is not good. 59 yards per game and 10 touchdowns. So he averages 20 yards per catch. So he's very boomer bust. And I've been beating the drum saying, I get the drops and whatnot, but put him out there on the field for five snaps. Even just send him, just send him deep. If we, if he's open, throw it to him and let him make a play. If he's not, he, you know, he pulls the safety over and that opens things up for the tight end and the slot guy and, and so on and so on and allows guys and doesn't allow guys to stack the box against Saquon. So I'm all for that. But him starting today is, I mean, that blew my mind when I saw that, that he was practicing with the ones. They obviously like him. Pat Shermer said he was the most improved. Um, and it just, like, it's hard for me to wrap my around that he got first-team reps in these OTAs where we really don't see the rookies get that benefit of the doubt to get that chance, especially when he had drops. And, like, no, I mean, Tom Coughlin would have cut the guy for having the drops that he'd had <laughs> in the first couple of weeks. He hasn't had those in the past two weeks, which is great. Um I can see he's going to get playing time this year. He will definitely get playing time starting. No, I don't think so. Uh, although injuries and stuff like that stuff can happen, but I'm a big fan. of letting him make plays. Somebody, my comp for him, even though he's not as big as him with Martavis, where it's like Martavis really kind of ran smoke screens. Martavis Bryant. I don't know why I acted like people knew who I was talking about smoke screens and deep balls, which is fine because Martavis did that at a really good for Pittsburgh. Um, and then somebody else said Robbie Anderson, which is a pretty good one because Robbie Anderson has been a boomer bust kind of guy. So yeah, he can. He's. I definitely see him getting on the field this year. Starting, I don't think so. With Cody Latimer, who is kind of a solid guy, 
Um, he's going to do everything right. Although Cody Latimer has been injured, and then Corey Coleman, as much as we love him and want to see him do really well, I mean, he really hasn't proven anything since his rookie year in Cleveland. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, as you said, as we both said, I should say, uh, we just least slated starting unless an injury happens because Latimer, as you said, is a solid guy, and we need some hype for Eli, and Latimer fits that bill. And if they could ha- bring back what they had in the fi- season finale against Dallas, then I'm all for Cody Latimer starting. But, yes, uh, towards season's end, I could easily see Darius Slayton starting. All right, I think that's it for this episode. We'll be back on Friday. And then we'll get back next week to our regular Tuesday and Friday. And we're going to, since we're going to be hitting that dead period, we're going to be doing some interviews. Got some stuff lined up. I won't say anything until the day of because I don't know how many times for Simple Man Radio, God's back out of interviews 20 minutes before. And it makes me want to pull my hair out. So I don't want to say anything until it's done. But we got some pretty cool stuff lined up. Um, We'll probably do some different stuff. Um, So until Friday, folks, let's go. Big Blue.